How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to Courtside. And I do have to say, I was on a New York trip during probably the most craziest time in the NBA. NBA trade deadline, a bunch of things going on with the all-star voting and new people coming up and injuries replacing some reserves. And LeBron James passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for most points in NBA career. The NBA scoring total was broken in Los Angeles Tuesday. We have to talk about a lot about that. But of course, this will be a heavily trade deadline oriented podcast for this episode. This will be an episode which will break down into exactly what these teams got. I'll be grading some things. And of course, I have to start it off with the biggest one. Kevin Durant being shipped out to the Valley of Phoenix. So I'll go into that. But of course, I do also want to, because I am going to be recording this one because I actually just got back from my New York flight earlier this morning so I didn't have a lot of time to really sit down talk edit and whatnot review everything after kind of getting down to the basics of going on Twitter checking all the reporting there is some things are going on right now I do have to say this before I get into anything that the four multi-team deal the four-team deal of Golden State the Pistons the Portland Trailblazers, as well as the Atlanta Hawks. And I'll go into exactly the basics of that deal. But a part of that deal was Gary Payne II, who won a championship in Golden State following that year, went to Portland. Now he's going to be traded, apparently, back to Golden State. That all might be in jeopardy right now. According to the Shams, who uh, reports for The Athletic, he's saying right now that the actual trade itself is in it's in basically jeopardy, the way he explained it. He has some sort of core muscle that is... Uh, kind of injured right now they could take him out for three months and that could just blow up the entire thing and basically make that trade invalid so who knows i mean from what i'm seeing from the reporting right now um they got till maybe saturday to kind of get that all fixed up but again if that's like a core muscle that they're saying three months to fix who knows if they can even allow that with that type of information out there but either way though stick around and thank you for being patient for this episode so relax listen to some trade talk listen to nba talk all on the courtside podcast this episode of the courtside podcast is brought to you by youtube channels highway temptation and captain barbo who made content on youtube weekly captain barbo just made recently a god of ragnarok video that i have to say Funny as hell. Super hilarious stuff. And again, this is actually a Thor Ragnarok video, which he started doing now, a series. And this is the part one that he has out recently. So do not forget to keep track of that on his YouTube channel as well. Visit his YouTube channel and subscribe for Hive of Temptation. If you're a Sonic fan, trust me. How are you guys not following them? Hive of Temptation, they go over a bunch of Sonic games. They give you a kind of a funny aspect of how to review the game, but it's clear original content that i just love and a reason why the channel supports it so please follow those youtube channels and as well follow the podcast so i don't want to go too much into my new york trip however i do believe this trip as funny as it is it really does relate to this trade deadline in the sense of the brooklyn nets when I was in New York for my trip, I went to New York for about a week. I saw a bunch of Knicks games. Madison Square Garden was crazy. I've been to a couple of Ranger games. Always one of the original NHL teams will always have one of those fan bases that would just blow you out of the building. But then I went to a Brooklyn Nets game. I went to the game that was the Phoenix Suns going against the Brooklyn Nets. And let me tell you, 
the atmosphere in there, it wasn't silent, but it was like writing on the wall. This was right after, I believe, a day or two when the Brooklyn Nets dealt Kyrie Irving out to the Dallas Mavericks when he requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets just prior of this game. And you could just feel it like, oh, glad we still have KD. Where is Kevin Durant? This and that. KD, KD. So while Cam Thomas was getting another 40-piece, and actually this game was his third 40-piece in a row, he was unable to do it the other night. He had 20, I think, in a win. Uh, I forgot the team. I think it was the Clippers. It might have been. I, I'm not too positive. But either way, Kevin Durant was not in the building. Because apparently, according to reporting, he secretly asked to be traded to the Phoenix Suns. And I don't know how they did it, man. But Sean Marks, the GM, the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets, was able to do it in the middle of the night on the Eastern Coast. 1.30 a.m. I was asleep in my little Airbnb, and I saw it. Kevin Durant was shipped out to the Valley. The whole full deal itself, it's Kevin Durant and TJ Warren uh, being sent to the Suns for Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and actually Jay Crowder was ended up being moved around back and forth this entire trade deadline. We'll go into more of that later on, but now he's with Milwaukee. But it was originally Bridges, Johnson, Crowder, as well as four first-round picks in 2023, 25, 27, and 2029, and then a pick swap in 2028. Wow. Wow. Honestly, it's one of those trades where you have to say it's it's not the biggest trade that the world has ever seen. I think that there's been multiple trades in the NBA throughout its 77 years where I can say that, yeah, this isn't bigger than Shaquille O'Neal being traded away from the Lakers. Or this isn't bigger than seeing a transaction where you have Anthony Davis going to the Lakers and then shipping out a bunch of what if options like what if Brandon Ingram stayed with Los Angeles what if Lonzo but what if you know what I mean there, this isn't the biggest trade but it's got to be a top five trade that I've ever seen personally in my lifetime in the NBA there's a lot of players that are the cornerstones of a generation right and this generation of the NBA which I mean basically this 21st century NBA when you have Le- Guys like LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, now Kevin Durant. These are guys that obviously eyes are always going to follow because no matter what happens, he's always going to be on a good team just because he's that good. Kevin Durant is that good. And the crazy thing about it, he joins a team that in some retrospect has the same exact criteria level of resume. Well, actually, hold on. Let me not say resume. Let me backtrack. Has the exact same feeling from what he did in 2017 when he ended up going to Golden State. I didn't want to say resume now because the Phoenix Suns, they have yet to win a championship. However, it feels like that right now. I mean, are the Suns like the favorites right now to win it all? Because the Boston Celtics are dealing with some injury. They only have, I think, one game. And they think they're playing like their 50-something game. They have one game this entire season where they had all five of their guys healthy. The Phoenix Suns, I mean, you can make the argument too. Chris Paul isn't always going to be out there healthy. I think Devin Booker had some injuries. But, man, the Phoenix Suns were able to do this trade with a brand new owner, an owner that was just there less than 24 hours in the building. And he was able to get this done and be able to control a majority of its starting lineup all in one piece. I mean, he didn't move Devin Booker. He didn't move Chris Paul. DeAndre Aiden, the first round pick in the first pick 
of that NBA draft class. But, man, I mean, again, Mikhail Bridges, phenomenal player. And that's probably the biggest piece out of this entire um, piece of the um, of the Suns that they gave away. But also the draft picks. You know, after all the numbers, and again, I'll go into more about the other trades. A total of 38 second round picks were drafted over the past two to three days. You know how insane that is? That's insane. That's absolutely insane because we talked about, oh, what is the um, what what is the price tag for these guys? Apparently, it's just a bunch of first round and second round picks from the looks of it. I think Jay Crowder, which I mentioned before, Jay Crowder got shipped away for, I think, like five second rounders. Why? And I know the future of the NBA is very bright. They got the kid Wemby out in France. I got a couple of guys in the high school level that are getting overtime highlights. But, man, the second rounders are really going to be pushing a team forward. I think everyone's just trying to copy the OKC frame, right? Or the Danny Ainge frame of what the future should look like for a franchise, which is a straight draft pick, in my opinion. I think from, especially with, you know, we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets. I think from what we're seeing right now is that a lot of franchises and GMs are more, you know, trusting the idea of going through the drive instead of going out and getting these superstars and hoping that they their chemistry just works out. Because this could be another, and I hate to say it because I think I heard this on the Bill Simmons podcast when I was in New York, but this could basically be a Kyrie KD situation. In other words, a situation where you have one of the best players in the NBA, and they just don't work out because none of them are just, you know, willing to let go of egos or just willing to stay in the core for whatever reason it might be. I mean, we saw what happened in Brooklyn. That was probably the most insane four years I've ever seen on a franchise in the sense of the PR issues and and everything outside of the game. But man, I mean, back to the deal itself for Brooklyn. Where does this put Brooklyn? Because it wasn't even just Kevin Durant. As I mentioned before, Kyrie Irving also got traded to the Dallas Mavericks. And that deal itself, here, let me pull up the status, not the status, but kind of the statistics, oh, the numbers, and all that mathematical crap. But Kyrie Irving was sent to the Mavericks, and return, the Nets got Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, and yes, Dinwiddie, the 2016 piece in the Brooklyn Nets squad that kind of, I had to say, was on the verge of an all-star, right? Probably the best piece in that very vibrant 2016 team that was all over the place. But yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie returns to Brooklyn with Finney Smith, as well as a 2027 first-round pick and a second-round pick. Good deal. I'm not going to lie to you, that's a really great deal for Kyrie Irving, but at the same time, it's going to be hard for anybody to let go of Kyrie Irving. I mean, Kyrie Irving's first game with the Mavericks, it was a win against the Clippers, and it was like he was playing with the team for years or something like that. He had 20 points. He looked like it was facilitating the ball. They moved really well. It looked like they'd been there on the court for like multiple years. I mean, it was this great chemistry, and I don't, again, we've seen it before. Kyrie Irving joins a new team, a lot of smiles going around, but then you go into the later part of the year, or maybe even the offseason, and the whole script flips. So we have no idea exactly how long this Kyrie Irving thing is going to go. Or, or, or maybe it just, you know, Kyrie fixes his career and his image in Dallas. Who knows? But either way, though, the Brooklyn Nets, without Kyrie Irving, without Kevin Durant, they're starting five. And from the looks of it, it's going to be Cam Thomas, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, Ben Simmons, 
at the four, I'm guessing. Nick Claxton, and I guess you can make the argument of Joe Harris finding a way on that lineup with Seth Curry still out with injury. That's not a bad... I mean, they're not dead in the water, really. They're really not dead in the water. They have the, they're the fourth seed right now in the East, and they're still able to win games with this roster that I feel has a lot of guys who are not all-stars, but definitely proven NBA guys. They can give you 20 minutes of great offensive production. Now, I think the biggest thing about Spencer Dinwiddie, though, when he went to Dallas, and especially what I saw during last year's playoffs, I wanted more out of Spencer Dinwiddie, right? I thought this guy would at least help out Luka Doncic, get him 20 points, 15 points, whatnot. It was ended up becoming Jalen Brunson, and it looks like for a good reason, too. Jalen Brunson ended up going to the Knicks, big deal, whatever. If you listen to this podcast, I'm a huge Brunson guy. Huge Brunson guy. But Spencer Dinwiddie, I wanted more out of him. He didn't really give it to him, nor did he give the Mavericks a reason to really keep him because he ended up getting traded for Kyrie Irving. So for the Nets' future, because this is a team with a lot of draft picks. This is a team that has young guys. I mentioned before Cam Thomas. Right now, funny enough, even though 20 points in the most recent game, he's averaging 39 points a game in his last four. Stupid numbers. Really stupid numbers. But hey, you know, they're just numbers. Who knows? Maybe Cam Thomas does not continue this crazy streak of points scoring. Maybe he's, you know, a little bit less. But I mean, ever since Kyrie and Kate, KD left, he's just been kind of the face of the Nets. I mean, was he being held down? Probably not. Probably not. Probably like a a little crazy uh, streak that we're seeing right now out of Cam Thomas. But either way, either way, just insane basketball being played in Brooklyn. And who knows exactly how far this team can go, especially with this new roster. I just don't think the Nets are tanking. I really do not believe the Nets are tanking. And also, if I'm going to move away from the Nets, I do want to say that they did also send out Kessler Edwards and Cash to the Kings which did end up saving them, like I believe, $8 million in their salary. So the Nets are making moves. They're making moves for players that didn't want to be there, even though the players are the, probably the greatest players of all time. Scratch that. One of the best players of all time. They were able to make moves. I think they're still in the contention. Now for the Phoenix Suns part of it. You get Kevin Durant. You do move away a bunch of key pieces that you had in your roster throughout this entire season. And this is, again, like, Trade deadline, you're basically at the midway point, if not past the midway point of the NBA season. This is a move that it's going to be risky for your future. This is a win-now move for the Phoenix Suns. If they're not able to actually go out there and win a championship in the next two to three years, I feel like this will be a crater in the Valley and just kind of a reminder of, again, you just can't do trades and guarantee a championship. I mean, it's not going to be like a Kyrie KD situation, which I mentioned before, but it will be something where you have to, you know, really tread on thin ice because the Western Conference, it got really, really tough. Even for Phoenix, who just got Kevin Durant on the roster and kept up the majority of their big three, basically, I would call them their big three of Aiden Booker, as well as Chris Paul to stay together. But man, the West is tough really tough i mean the memphis grizzlies i know a lot of people are kind of looking down on them and especially the way they've been kind of cocky throughout this entire time i i really don't believe that memphis can get past the second round in the west now i definitely feel like that should be a guarantee booking in vegas type of situation but i wouldn't really want to say that 
the Memphis Grizzlies are all out there. Who knows? They got a lot of basketball left. Right now, I don't really believe much in them. Um, the Nuggets with Jokic. Jokic himself, he's two-time MVP. The only all-star on his team. He has yet to play with another NBA all-star in his career. And that team just works out so perfectly. So perfectly. And I feel like it's also a lot about the feels too. Like the feeling, the vibe that's over there in Denver. Like to give you an example um, about kind of the vibe in Denver right now. Bones Highland, who I thought was really a young, great guard. I felt like he has a lot to deal with in the sense of defensively to develop himself. But offensively, he's a guy that I think has been really impressive, has been improving his game. I, I, I guess they probably, because I did watch a couple of Denver games this season, there have been times where like he would just run things himself, and I don't think Denver really liked that. I really don't think Denver liked that. So that's the reason why, uh, and again, this will be the another trade I would just throw in there, but Bones Highland, he was traded away to the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Clippers ended up getting... Um, you know, Highland by trading its 2024 and 2025 second round picks to the Nuggets. And yes, again, I mean, what's the what's the price tag for guys? Apparently, it's the second round. But yeah, Bones Highland was moved away from Denver. But it doesn't really hurt Denver, I don't think. I really don't think. Because if, if that's like really, a, from what I'm hearing, a locker room move, from what I'm hearing from some of these Twitter spaces and some people who do watch the Denver Nuggets... It's a good move. It's a really good move, I think. In Denver, I don't think it really ships them, you know, down a notch. I mean, they should be fine. You got the Denver Nuggets, Sacramento Kings, phenomenal. And actually, I'm going to talk about this later on in the podcast. I might even say it for another podcast, but De'Aaron Fox is now an NBA All-Star after a couple of injuries in the Western Conference. Fox is now an All-Star as well as Anthony Edwards. And I honestly, I'm super glad that Fox and Edwards got recognition from the NBA. And even though, yes, it had to deal with guys getting injured, I'm just glad that they're there. Either way, Sacramento Kings, Denver Nuggets, Memphis Grizzlies, now the Phoenix Suns, four teams that can really leapfrog themselves deep in this season and become the true contenders in the NBA Finals for the Western Conference. The rest of the class, I mean, they're there. It's not too crazy to think about teams like the New Orleans Pelicans, you know, when they're healthy and back on, back on their, you know, their jobs. I, yeah, I can't say a word, but I ain't really going to say it. Uh, you know, the Pelicans, the Los Angeles Lakers have been kind of making a push. OKC, you can't, I mean, maybe they push some things out. I've been seeing a lot of basketball games of OKC, and I just, I just think there's a great franchise over there. I really do believe that they do have a chance in there. But the Western Conference, it's tight, man. It's really tight. I would not doubt that it would be kind of an eight-team race to the finish line in the West. That it would just be straight game sixes, game sevens in the playoffs in the Western Conference. I do not doubt that. But the Phoenix Suns, they're a contender in my opinion. they got to be a top three teams right besides Boston as well as Milwaukee. And as weird as it is, the Eastern Conference didn't make a lot of trades in this deadline, actually, funny enough, a lot of teams were expecting uh, the Chicago Bulls as well as the Miami Heat to really do something, especially with Kyle Lowry. Actually, funny enough, if I'm on the, t- uh, the subject, 
I believe there was a report. I forgot exactly where I found it from. I think it was either from the Miami Herald, Sun Central. I, I totally forgot. But there was a report that showed that when the Miami Heat were looking around to do trades, they found something with the Clippers, and they were waiting on the approval of Pat Riley. However, when they were looking for him, apparently Pat Riley was resting, sleeping on the job during the trade deadline, the godfather on South Beach, sleeping. So do whatever you want with that information. That's just something I saw on Twitter uh, from a article that was posted up. I know, I know the guy is like 70-something, but man, wake up, Pat. Get a coffee. My goodness. But yeah, so uh, the Phoenix Suns, they definitely are up there. They definitely made some moves. But let's look around the, the NBA as well because there was a lot of, I mean, a lot of four-team, three-team deals, a lot of head scratchers. I think probably the worst trades that I saw coming out from this deadline, it had to be from the Clippers. I have, I have a lot of Clippers stock. I still think that Kawhi Leonard's phenomenal. Paul George is an all-star for a reason. And like what they did in this trade deadline, it made no sense. So the combination of Reggie Jackson as well as John Wall, that is no more in Los Angeles. Reggie Jackson was ended up being sent off to the Hornets for Mason Plumley, And then also John Wall, who was part of a multi-team deal. And this multi-team deal sends John Wall back to Houston. And guess who the Clippers get? veteran eric gordon eric gordon and they also get i mean the rights to a swap pick that they had houston have with the bucks swap pick it it doesn't make sense it really doesn't make sense at all and again i understand injuries are always going to be a part of the deals where it's like it's john wall we're talking about but his injuries are horrible throughout his late part of his career and also the guy can has a pretty bad shot right now this late in his career but it's john wall when you see him on the court especially at the beginning of this year i can make the argument a full healthy john wall that's a point guard that can start for a playoff team easily easily and to see him going back to that franchise in houston i don't know i don't think it's a good move for either side especially for houston too because john wall in an interview i think like a couple of weeks ago was talking crap about the entire franchise wanting to lose the organization looking to lose so I don't like the move at all for Houston, but they ended up doing it with the Los Angeles Clippers and the Clippers also sent out Luke Kennard to Memphis for three second round picks. Again, second round picks. Eh, it's okay move. Plus you get Eric Gordon. I mean, Luke Kennard, he can help out Memphis in that backcourt. Maybe it works out with him and Jaw. Who knows? Maybe Dylan Brooks needs some time off back and forth. Who knows? But either way, uh, the Clippers, I think they had probably the worst outing in this trade deadline. I really hated their trades. Uh, And speaking of hating trades, the Los Angeles Lakers, they had a lot of great trades in this one. Don't get me wrong. But the one trade that really, like, like just made me take a quick glance, Patrick Beverly to the Orlando Magic for Mo Bamba. (laughs) Why? Why would we do that? And there was a reason why they did that. The Los Angeles Lakers traded Thomas Bryant to the Nuggets for Davon Reed and three second-round picks. Uh, the second rounds being in 2025, 26, and 2029. Man, I'm telling you right now, I'm feeling, because again, I did not talk about this because of my New York trip, but LeBron James, when he did that fadeaway to break uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record, Thomas Bryant was under the basket 
when LeBron was fading away for the shot. And he was really thinking he was going to get that ball. Let me tell you, he did not get that ball, nor will he get another in a Los Angeles Lakers jersey because he will be sent out away in Denver. Um, But actually, now that I speak about that, there was also a bunch of things that I felt like this trade deadline also related for the Lakers in LeBron's game against OKC on Tuesday where he broke that record. Russell Westbrook apparently was reported that he went into a heated argument with Coach Ham, the head coach for the Los Angeles Lakers. They went at it at halftime, and I mean, I don't know what was really said, but I mean, maybe Russell didn't like the idea that they were losing and celebrating while LeBron was having, you know, an icon night. Uh, full of pictures and, of course, wearing the headband. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of people saying, like, oh, he's wearing the headband, he's wearing the headband. I feel like he's just wearing the headband to, like, cover the hairline, all right? I, I, I mean, he knows he's getting pictures. Honestly, if I'm getting pictures like that, I will make sure I'm looking sharp. And not everyone looks the best on the basketball court, especially at 38 years old. Uh, so LeBron wears a headband. Maybe feel kind of good because it kind of reminds me of Prime LeBron, the Miami Heat, which I will argue to the death about. That was Prime LeBron. But uh, besides that, the point, Russell Westbrook, he was pretty pissed off, argued with the coaches, and then the following day, he ended up being a part of a multi-team trade with the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Utah Jazz. And this one for the Lakers, I feel like the Lakers got a lot out of it. Like, Rob Palenka went to work here for Los Angeles. And this one, the Lakers, they acquired D'Angelo Russell, a reunion for the guy that was drafted by Los Angeles. Russell comes back from the Minnesota Timberwolves to now the Lakers. They also get Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. Phenomenal pieces, role pieces for this Los Angeles team that was missing death in their bench. So they end up going to Los Angeles. Minnesota does receive Russell Westbrook with a lightly protected 2027 first round pick. And the Jazz do give up their Mike Conley starting guard. They give up Mike Conley. It's not, it's not the end of the world. I don't think Mike Conley was really going to push anything for Utah. And the way that Utah started this season, I thought, yeah, they're going to be a playoff team. Yeah, they're de- I mean, they're not looking too good. Besides Markkinen, I'm not too fond about Sexton. I'm not too fond about what's going on in Utah. And especially after this Salt Lake City, Utah All-Star game, I don't think I would probably hear a lot about Utah after this All-Star game. I don't have a lot of stock. I think I sold the stock early. Uh, on the Jazz, who knows, but I really don't believe the Jazz are going to push themselves into some sort of contender uh, or first seed uh, like they have years before. So Russell Westbrook, he ends up going out to Utah. He might get bought out. It still hasn't happened yet. There's a lot of people that are saying that it will happen, however, um, I don't believe it will, though. And just because I feel like Russell needs a guaranteed contract. I mean, Russell, I mean, whoever he goes to a free agency, maybe he's Chicago, who knows. But it's not going to be a good fit for Russell Westbrook. If he's looking to win games, if he's looking to get things, you know, in control in his career, because he wants to win right now. I feel like the the mode of a Lakers team, from when I watch these Lakers games, it just looks like a bunch of showboating. It's not like they're really looking to push for the playoffs or anything like that. It just padding the stats for LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis is barely on the court himself. Uh, So this is a move that I think 
does help out Russell Westbrook career-wise. I don't think it helps out his image, though, because I don't think anybody wants to be traded from the sunny beach of Los Angeles to Utah or Minnesota or any of these teams in this trade deal. I mean, this was going to be a lose-lose regardless wherever he went to, uh, but he ended up getting sent to the Jazz. So, eh, a little bit better weather over there instead of Minnesota. So, who knows? Uh, Russell Respick going to the Jazz, Mike Conley to Minnesota, and then, of course, D'Angelo Russell going back to Los Angeles. Uh, another trade that I have to say I liked was kind of... And again, this is me in New York. This is me in New York. But the New York Knicks sending Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish, I don't understand it. How does he not get to minutes? How does he not get minutes in the NBA? I don't understand it. He's been deep left bench the entire season. They finally do a move with him. And this is a phenomenal move, I think, in my opinion. They send Cam Reddish in a protected lottery 2023 first round pick, which could turn into a four future second round picks if not convoyed this year or conveyed whatever the word is uh with a couple of role players for new york uh last names i can't pronounce however one i can't pronounce is that josh hart a part of this deal we're talking about two players including cam reddish a 2023 first round pick all being sent out to the blazers for josh hart the Villanova teammates of Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson reunited in the Empire State. I think that'll be a fun, 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 fun backcourt. Despite the fact that RJ Barrett's going to be there and probably still starting on Thibodeau's roster, it will be a roster that I would have to say is going to be fun every single night to watch. Jalen Brunson tacking the basket aggressively. Taking these mid-range Jays, fading away a little bit. Josh Hart getting himself active around. And again, new team and a team that is basically a playoff team now. He's not in Portland anymore. He's in the Knicks. They're a sixth seed right now. This is a real playoff team with aspirations to at least get to the second round in the Eastern Conference. I don't know if they got, you know, what it takes to get to the Eastern Conference finals. But this is, at least in my opinion, a team that could upset a team in the playoffs. So Josh Hart finds a way to New York with a familiar face and a Villanova teammate in Jalen Brunson, which they did both, I believe, win that championship, the national championship. But this is a great move for New York. I really like the New York. You get rid of the whole Cam Reddish thing. And again, I think Cam is going to do phenomenal over there in Portland. But yeah, man, I mean, this is going to be a great move. I think this is a great move for New York. And it wasn't the only thing that was going to be sent out to Portland. The Portland Trail Blazers as well received Kevin Knox from the Golden State Warriors. And Kevin Knox was originally a part of a multi-team deal that was a trade with the Pistons going to Golden State. And then Golden State ended up routing Kevin Knox to the Blazers. Um, so this was a deal that, and again, I'll probably go more into depth about it, but the Pistons originally sent Kevin Knox to the Warriors as a part of a multi-team deal which then the Pistons received James Wiseman from Golden State, which is a weird move because Duran is still on that Pistons team, and he's 19 years old. He's much better than Wiseman, who is still developing his game, and obviously he's developing his game. He had to go to the G League a couple of times uh, back and forth between Golden State. But yes, Kevin Knox 
goes to the Blazers. So Kevin Knox, Cam Reddish, two guys unproven. And again, I think more Cam Reddish than Kevin Knox am I more excited about. But the Blazers got some good wing guys that I think will definitely prove themselves. I mean, we still got to wait for Sharp to see exactly what he is. I don't think there's like a definitive answer exactly about, you know, if he's going to be a guy that can be required for Portland to make big deals about to have him stay or just be a guy that would be a role player or even a guy they don't even care about. Uh, you know, this is Sharp, a guy, again, when I did my draft podcast, he never played a single minute of collegiate basketball. So playing the NBA, he's been playing pretty good minutes, but exactly what is his future? I have no idea what Portland's future is right now with these picks as well as the draft that we had recently of Cam Reddish as well as Kevin Knox going to the Trailblazers but, again, great to have more wing guys because I think in a sense of the future, wings will definitely be shipped out more. From what you're seeing right now, you're not seeing that big men are being shipped out in these trades. Or, like, there's more, you know, assets when you have more guards. The biggest assets in the NBA right now are wing guys. Guys who are versatile wing players that can play the three, the four, the two. Guys like a Kevin Durant, which I mentioned before, one of the biggest trades we've seen in a long time. And probably this generation, possibly, I don't know. Uh, but also guys are like of the caliber of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, all this stuff. Those are guys I feel that are going to be eye-openers and... You got to go find those guys, but at a dollar store price. And I hate saying that, but yes, Cam Reddish is a dollar store price, big name wing. Because he's unproven, but you know he has the talent. And you feel it. You could just, you know he has the talent, man. I can tell you right now. I have a lot of faith in Cam Reddish. And I have a lot of faith in what he can do with Portland, with Damian Lillard. Back to more trades. I don't know exactly if I'm going to get through everything here. Um, What's a trade that I haven't talked about? A trade that I haven't talked about because, well, actually, let me go back a few paces and talk about that Timberwolves, the multi-team deal with the Wolves, Lakers, as well as the Jazz. Because not only did the Wolves acquire Mike Conley, they also got uh, Nicole Alexander Walker in a multi-team deal. And also they get the 2024 lesser of Washington Memphis second round pick that was originally from Utah that they ended up sending over to them, as well as a 2025 and 2026 second-round pick uh, from Utah. So the Timberwolves ended up getting all that. Mike Conley, Alexander Walker, as well as the lesser part of the Memphis and Washington Wizards 2024 uh, second-round pick, as well as two extra second-round picks in 2025 and 26 from Utah. Um, And there was also, from the top of my head, the Milwaukee Bucks, I know the Milwaukee Bucks, they made a bunch of smart moves, but it wasn't like you push the needle with these moves. Uh, one of the moves itself was with the Indiana Pacers, where the Pacers were able to uh, take on George Hill from the Bucks in a second round pick, as well as his $4 million uh, into the space of his contract. So, which means that it does save the Bucks money. And they did, as I mentioned before, acquire Jay Crowder. Uh, for a couple of second rounders, the Raptors. Uh, that oh yeah, that's a team I always forget. I always forget about the Raptors. Uh, you know, OJ wasn't not moved at all. However, they did make some moves. They acquired Jacob Pertle from San Antonio, and this was. I mean, again, I'm a Celtic fan at heart, and there was a lot of buzz when I was on those Celtic spaces on Twitter. 
Pirtle was going to be a Celtic for like at least maybe a couple of days. I think that was a feeling a lot around the NBA that Brad Stevens and a bunch of other guys, but mainly the Boston Celtics were having the pieces that they can make a, a like a like just an offer to San Antonio. I don't know exactly what the offer would have been. Maybe Payne Pritchard, maybe Sam Hauser and a couple of picks. I'm not too positive. Maybe we're even putting uh, Jacob a little bit too ahead of what he's worth. But I mean, hey, you know, the Raptors, they got a lot of length. They just added a little bit more. The Raptors ended up getting rid of Cam Birch, a protected 2024 first round draft pick and two future second round picks for Pirtle. And does this move really boost the Raptors in the Eastern Conference? Probably not. But again, this is a team that I think that will definitely push itself with a young cast. And maybe we get some production out. I want to see more out of Scotty Barnes. I feel like he kind of slowed down a little bit now. I want to see more of Ananobi. I want to see Fred Van Vliet live up to that contract because he's kind of being like a 50-50 guy right now for the Raptors. I'm getting kind of an odd feeling out of him. But if Toronto, because they had a lot of hard breaks and had a lot hard hard losses this season. They can really flip it over in the second half, but they got to do it right now. And maybe Pirtle, he does boost that team up. But that's basically kind of the, um, just, just kind of the layout of all the NBA trades in a just about it looks like man 40 just about a 40 minute span that's kind of all the trades I could really talk about I feel like my mom would keep on going on and on and on uh, if I kept on talking about these trades what I would end the podcast with because I think I'll talk about it now because um, again I did miss because I was my New York trip and an insane trip again as I mentioned before went to a lot of sporting events worked while on the trip unfortunately didn't have a microphone or anything like that and, and yeah i know my microphone's not the best microphone i can obviously tell unfortunately but you know either way it gets the job done but now that i'm on a mic uh what i do want to say about lebron james passing uh kareem Abdul jabbar's scoring record in the nba i think it's probably one of the most insane records that i thought would never be broken in my honest opinion Thirty-eight thousand plus points in general throughout an NBA career is insane just to think that how many guys really last that long in the NBA I mean 20 years in the NBA I think recently we're forgetting how insane that feat is Dwayne Wade didn't have 20 years in the NBA Carmelo Anthony could still play but he's not you know finding teams to really accept him and just might be ending his career right now short of like 15 or so years LeBron James 20 years of success putting down a stat line this season that almost mimics his MVP season that he had in Miami, and I believe in 2013 or 2012 or whatever. But the point is I'm trying to make at 38 years old to do all this past that scoring record, four championships along the road, and you can argue about the bubble. I still don't have a lot of like high regard of that 2020 championship with the Los Angeles Lakers. I still don't believe... That was a hard championship for LeBron to obtain, especially the teams that he had to go against. And yes, the bubble had pure basketball that was purely just straight basketball on the court, no outside distractions. But come on. I mean, the hardest team was like the Denver Nuggets and maybe the Miami Heat when Jimmy Butler went off a little. Who knows? But what I do have to say is congratulations, LeBron James. This definitely does solidify, I think, in my honest opinion, if not the best player of all time, definitely 
a little bit ahead in the conversation right now. So congratulations, LeBron James. A lot of crazy stuff happening in the NBA. And I thank you again for joining in on Courtside.